Well, one of our basic needs and desires is to have a true friend. And the title of this sermon series, as you well know by now, is Friends. And we'd like for you to use that hashtag right there if you're going to put something on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook or whatever those social media things are. If you take a picture here at the church or whatever, make sure you put that on there so we can all see it. Also, if you'd like the sermon notes, this is the email address you use. As a matter of fact, as we say every week, that's a good email to use. No matter what you want to communicate with us here about the church, uh, just use that email and we'll all get that and thank you for your communication. Uh, in this sermon series, we're talking about how to have friends, how to be a friend, how the Bible defines what a true friend is, and then We'll talk at the end of the sermon series about the friend of all friends, and his name is Jesus. Last week, we talked about the value of genuine friendship, the worth, and we went to Proverbs 17, 17, and the Bible says there, a friend loves at all times, and a true brother, a brother, not necessarily a family brother, but that it includes that. It's really talking about a friendship, a brotherhood among believers. A brother is born for the time of trouble, born for adversity. What Jesus is telling us here, or what the Word of God is telling us here, is that a true friend is a very rare thing. As a matter of fact, we found out last week that the Bible says in Proverbs 18, 24, that to have too many friends is not a good thing. And I'm not going to get into that today, but I would challenge you to go back and listen to last week's message. Now, what we're going to talk about today and over the next few weeks, what we're going to examine, what we're going to look at from a biblical perspective, which all of our sermons are from that perspective, are the qualities. What does the Bible say the qualities of true friendship are? The first quality, the one we want to talk about today, is that true friendship is unconditional. True friendship is is unconditional. Again, going back to Proverbs 17, 7, first part of that verse, a true friend, a Bible friend, a genuine friend loves at all times, all times. God's warning us that there are some people in your life who will claim to be your friend, but they only love you if you meet certain conditions. As a matter of fact, these so-called friends will say things like this. I'll love you if. I'll love you when you. I'll love you until you do this or that. I love you because of this or that. All of these expressions of friendship have conditions attached to them. How many of you are glad that Jesus didn't love us based on certain conditions. He took us, what's that old song we used to sing at all the altar calls at the end of the service? Billy Graham sung it at, all the, uh, at the end of all his crusades. What's the title of that song? Just As I Am. That's how Jesus took us. That's how we need to love others, love them as they are. A person who places conditions on a friendship is saying this friendship is about me. I want something out of this friendship for myself. As long as you're meeting my needs, I will be your friend. But when you cease to meet my needs, 
I will either manipulate you to try to get you to meet my needs or I'll just totally get out of the friendship altogether. So here's the deal. If a person claims to be your friend, yet they place conditions on the friendship, then they are not a true friend. A real friend is a selfless friend. In my experience as a pastor, and I've been doing this quite some time, my next birthday, I will be 39. <laughs> I'll be 60 my next birthday. I've been a preacher since I was 17. I've been a pastor since I was 19. And in my years of ministry, one of the things that I've noticed is that the most toxic imposter of true friendship is something called emotional dependency. And I want you to listen very carefully today. Now, some of you might be listening going, you know, I don't want some sermon about psychological things or what some counselor may talk about or, or some trained, uh, you know, person who understands the psyche. And I, I don't want to get into all that, Pastor. I mean, I want to get into the Bible. Ladies and gentlemen, trust me, there is nothing that needs to be preached on that is more important than what I'm going to talk about today. The enemy is very, very subtle. And one of the things he will do when he cannot meet you head on and destroy your life through uh, temptations that are obvious, he will come in the back door. He will bring relationships into your life. Listen to me. Relationships that look holy. Relationships that look pure. Relationships that look like God but as we get further down the road in that relationship and deeper into it, it becomes obvious that it's very toxic. So we're going to talk about emotional dependency. Now let me give you the textbook definition of this uh, condition. It is a condition resulting when the ongoing presence and or nurturing of another is believed necessary for personal security. Now let me put that in Farrell Hardison language, so you can understand it. Wayne County, anybody, Wayne County language, Johnston County language. So here it comes. All right, y'all, listen up. Emotional dependency is a very unhealthy relationship that is based on a strategy of manipulation that has control as its primary goal. Okay? I want you to hear the word of the Lord today. This nurturing or this manipulation can come in many forms such as undivided attention, listening, admiration, counsel, affirmation, time spent together. Emotionally dependent relationships may appear harmless or even healthy or godly at first, but it always leads to destruction and bondage greater than most people can imagine. To draw a distinction between normal interdependency, that's a good word, interdependency, that happens in wholesome relationships and unhealthy um, dependency, we're going to talk about several factors. And one of them that we want to talk about today to begin with is some signs that a relationship has gone from healthy, or it appeared to be healthy, into a very toxic emotionally dependent relationship. <laughs> now before I get into these signs, 
I want to tell you that the, the reason I'm preaching on this is because this is very real to me. This is very real to me as a pastor. I have dealt with this throughout my ministry at one level or another. And it is very, very destructive to the people involved in the relationship. It is very, very destructive to the families of the people involved in a dependent relationship. And it, listen, it is very destructive to a church. It will destroy a church. And so I want you to know, boy, when it comes to what I'm going to preach on today, my radar are up. My radar is up. Radar are up. Every radar I have is up. And I am watching. And I love wholesome, godly, balanced friendships. But I'm telling you, there is nothing more threatening than this kind of relationship that I'm going to talk about today. So I encourage you to hear the word of the Lord. Is there some way we can know when we've crossed the line into a harmful, dependent relationship? Here are some signs. First of all, frequent jealousy. And let me just say this. A lot of you are going to write, try to write all this down. Uh, I've got a lot of information today, and I'm going to give it in a short period of time. Everybody say amen on that short period of time thing. Uh, I know I can do it. So I want to give you this. So don't worry about writing it. Use that email address, info at bridgechurch.cc, and let me just send you the manuscript, and you'll have all the notes, and you won't have to keep up with trying to write everything down. So first sign is frequent jealousy. When in a friendship, there's a lot of jealousy, and it's very frequent possessiveness, a desire for exclusivism. In other words, I want you to be my friend, and I don't want you to be friends with anybody else. And look, that doesn't, they don't come right out, excuse me, they don't come right out and say that, but you can tell that person you've got this friendship with doesn't like it when you're friends with other people. I'm telling you, that's a sign that your relationship is getting toxic. You might be sitting here today and go, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know that I need this. I don't think I ever have any relationship. But you might have a child who gets into this. You might have a family member who gets into this. You might have somebody you love and care deeply about, and you see them getting into this. So this information might be important for you to help somebody else, for you to bless somebody else, for maybe you to hand them these notes and just say, hey, man, I wanted to share with you my pastor's manuscript from a few Sundays ago or whatever. It's just not about you. So when you're listening to a sermon, and I hear people say this to me, I didn't need that, so I just stayed home. I knew what they were going to preach on, so I knew I didn't need that. I just stayed home. I didn't listen to that sermon. Listen, when you hear a sermon, it's not just about you. You might be hearing a sermon because somebody you love needs that word. And if you hear that sermon, if you hear that teaching, then you're able to go to them and God can bring back to your memory what you heard and you can help somebody. So if you're ever going to feel that way, that I don't come to church because, Pastor, I knew you weren't preaching, or I saw the topic they were going to talk about, and I just I knew that didn't have anything to do with me, I tell you, don't say that to me, because I'm going to give you the skunk eye when you say it to me. Because when you hear a sermon, it might be because you're about to run into somebody who needs that word. It might not be for you. That's good preaching right there, buddy. Mm. All right. 
So frequent jealousy, possessiveness. Some of you are thinking of relationships right now, either in your past or either somebody you love who's going through this. And uh, maybe somebody you're friends with that you're beginning to pick up on the fact that they're treating you this way or you're picking up these vibes from them. Um, possessiveness, they view other people as a threat. In other words, don't be friends with them because, you know, you and I are really good friends, so you can't really be with them that much because you need to be with me more. That's the kind of thing you need to be looking out for. They prefer to spend time alone, again, with this friend, become frustrated when this doesn't happen. Uh, they become irrationally angry or depressed when you withdraw slightly from them. Uh, they lose interest in the friendship other than this one. Again, we get back to that exclusivism. Uh, I don't want to really be friends with anybody else. I'm just going to focus on this one friendship. That's out of balance. That's out of balance. That's not God's will for you. Experiences romantic feelings leading to fantasy about this person. And I'm going to go ahead and get really real here today. A lot of times... Um, a person who struggles with homosexuality and wants that kind of relationship or wants a relationship with somebody will find a person who doesn't struggle with homosexuality, but that person's needs aren't being met by their spouse or their needs aren't being met by other people in their life, so they're vulnerable to that and they become friends with this person and all of a sudden they are engaging in practice, in a practice they never intended to because they so desperately need that relationship. I hope you're hearing me because I want to tell you that as a pastor I have dealt with this over and over and over again. I believe that there are people who genuinely battle with the sin of homosexuality. I believe there are people who battle with that. I think that's their, that's their war. That's their battle. Yours might, might be greed. Yours might be pornography. Yours might be something else. But I believe there are people who struggle with that. And I think those people feel so lonely sometimes and they can't find another person who can meet that need. And so they find a vulnerable person and pull them into that relationship. I'm preaching in the house of God today. Hear the word of the Lord. And so this, this happens. I've seen it. I've experienced it. I've counseled. I've got professional counseling into situations trying to help people who are battling with this very thing. Um, another sign is they become preoccupied with the person's appearance. They become preoccupied with their personality. They start telling them how to dress, what their hair needs to be like. They start talking to them about, hey, I like it better when your personality is this way. They get really involved in the problems of that person. And that person is so hungry for friendship that they open up and say things they shouldn't say and open doors to their life to that person they shouldn't open. So that person gets really involved in their problem and in their interest. Another sign is there's an un unwillingness to make plans with anybody else, short-range or long-range plans, that doesn't include that person. Um, they're unable to see faults in the other person. Uh, they're unable to be realistic. Listen, let me just say this. If I'm your friend and I tell you I'm your friend and you tell me you're my friend, then you know what? When I mess up, you're going to hold me accountable. You're going to hold me accountable. You're going to say, Farrell Hardison, I love you, but dude, what you just did 
I know that's not the life you want to live. I know that's not what you want to do. I know that's not how you want to act. I know that's not how you want to speak. If you're my real friend, you're going to say that to me. But see, if I want to manipulate you, if I want that emotionally dependent relationship, I'm going to affirm you no matter what kind of bad behavior you do. Am I making sense up here? I'm telling you, it's dangerous. Hear the word of the Lord today. Uh, they become defensive. If, if you're friends with somebody who really becomes defensive about the re relationship when they're asked about it, uh, when a couple is having an imbalanced relationship and somebody approaches them and goes, man, hey, I, you know, I really miss you. And, you know, I know you're friends with so-and-so, but gosh, I, you know, we used to get together. We used to have coffee. We used to be friends. We used to... Uh, be together. I really miss our relationship. And then that person becomes really defensive about this wrong relationship they're having with this person. That's a sign. Uh, displays physical affection beyond that which is appropriate for a friendship when you begin to see that. Uh, refers frequently to the other person in conversation and feels free to speak for the other person. Very, very uh, important information today. Uh, and, and emotionally dependent, one of the signs that you're getting into that or you, you have a friend or loved one who's getting into that is they exhibit an intimacy and familiarity with this person that causes other people to feel uncomfortable and embarrassed in their presence. So how does a dependent relationship differ from a healthy relationship? I think that's important to draw that distinction today. So what is a healthy relationship what are the qualities there as opposed to a dependent relationship? A healthy relationship, listen, if I'm your friend and you're my friend, I'm going to set you free and you're going to set me free. A gen not put you in bondage. If you're friends with me, it ought not put you in bondage. Now, if I'm holding you accountable in love, then that's not bondage. I'm just saying, hey, listen, I love you. I'm concerned about that. I know that's your choice. But you're, being a friend of mine, you're going you're gonna to be free. Uh, a genuine, um, healthy relationship is to, supposed to be free and generous. Uh, both friends in a good relationship are eager to include other people in their activities. Both friends experience joy when the other one develops other friendships and uh, gets to know other people. In a healthy relationship, each friend desires to see the other person reach their full potential. Uh, and they're not threatened when that friend is developing new interests and new skills. A dependent relationship is ingrown. It's ingrown. It is not freeing. It is, it is binding. It is not generous. It is selfish. It is ingrown, and it creates a mutual stagnation and limits personal growth with both people involved in that relationship. In a normal relationship, we're affected by things our friends say and do, but our reactions are balanced. Of course, you're affected by things your friend says and does, but it's a balanced reaction. In an emotionally dependent relationship, a casual remark from the friend can send the other one into ecstasy and delight or into the pits of grief and despair. If a close friend moves away, for instance, 
in a normal relationship, you're going to feel sorrow. We feel that here at the bridge a lot of being in a military community. i got to tell you something, man. When the military families, we fall in love with them, they get involved in our church, they're just sold out and they're serving and they're happy and they're joyful, and then all of a sudden they walk up and go, oh, by the way, in about three months we're moving to Japan. Well, a balanced reaction to that is, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to miss you guys. And, and i got to tell you, man, um, you know, there might be a sense of loss. There might be some tears. And certainly on the day that's their last day here, I've been doing that recently with some people. You hug them, tears come in your eyes. You're going to miss them. That's balanced. But if one of the partners is dependent in the relationship and that person moves away, they're gripped with anguish and panic and desperation and they feel like they can't go on in their life, that's messed up. Now, that's a deep uh, counseling term that I'm going to use today. That's messed up. So y'all write that down. I think you'll know what that means. The bottom line is that a healthy friendship is joyful. A healthy friendship is healing. A healthy friendship is upbuilding and uplifting. A dependent relationship is confining and produces bondage. So let's talk about now some setups. What are some, what are some situations in life, what are some setups that provide fertile ground for healthy emotional, um, I'm sorry, unhealthy emotional dependency to begin? What are some things, what are some situations of life, personalities that can cause that? So let's look at personality setups, the kinds of personalities that often open the door for this kind of relationship. Is everybody with me out there? Y'all with me? How many of y'all believe I'm preaching up here? All right, amen. Anyone can fall into a dependent relationship given the right pressures. Did you hear what I said? Anyone. The minute you look at me and go, that'll never happen to me, be careful. I got to tell you something. The people who I've counseled with and had to get professional counseling to break these very hard-to-break relationships up, and sometimes it wasn't successful, they never did break up, um, are people I never would have dreamed. Never would have dreamed they would have ever gotten into a toxic relationship like that. So the moment you say, that could never happen to me, I don't even have to worry about this, that is a bad thing to think. That's a bad thing to say. You need to be on guard. How many of you know Satan has come to steal, kill, and destroy? How many of you think when Peter denied the Lord publicly, if you'd ask him a week before that, would you do that, what would he have said? Never. What did he say to Jesus when Jesus told him you're going to do that? He said, Lord, never, never, never. I would never do that. So be careful with that kind of thinking. So let's look at some personality setups. Who's most vulnerable? Who's most vulnerable? If I, I'm going to go as far as I can in this sermon today because there's a lot of information. And what I don't get to, I'll send you in the notes and then you'll have the rest of it. Anyone, again, can fall into that relationship given the right pressures and circumstances. However, there are a few common personality patterns that consistently gravitate towards uh, each other to form dependencies. The basic personality combination seems to be the individual who appears to have it all together. So that's one of the characters in this. The other one is uh, someone who needs attention. Someone who needs protection or feels like they need strength 
uh, from that person who seems to have it all together. So you've got what appears to be a strong person, and you've got what appears to be a very weak person. And um, although it appears that one is strong and one is needy, actually they're both needy. Did you hear what I just said? So, so it, appear, it appears in these messed up relationships that one of them's strong, one of them's weak, and uh, you got one that's got it all together, one that's really needy. Listen to me, both of them are very needy. Here's the deal. The strong one, or the one who appears to be the strong one in the relationship, usually has a deep need to be needed. And the weak one appears uh, to, of course, have so many needs this person can meet, and that's why they're attached to them. Can I tell you that the weaker one that appears weaker in that relationship often is the strong one in the sense that they control that situation. Did that make sense right there? If it didn't, listen to this sermon again, and it will. I'm telling you. All right? Okay. So stay for the second service. All right. I, I like that little nervous laugh. <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not staying. Okay, let's talk about some situational setups. Let's talk about some situational setups. When are we most vulnerable to this? I said anybody can get into this kind of relationship. When are we most vulnerable? There are seasons in your life when you're more vulnerable to this than other seasons in your life. There are situations in your life when you're more vulnerable to a toxic relationship than there are other situations in your life. Some of these include a crisis of life. If you're going through a crisis, a relationship breakup is a crisis. The death of someone close, the loss of a job, which would be the loss of income. I want to tell you from a personal testimony, when Mitch died, when my son died, of a drug overdose. I want to tell you that Millie and I were extremely vulnerable to have the wrong kind of people come into our life and hurt us as they tried to get control of us. Do you understand what I'm saying? Here's what I thank God for. I had enough real friends during that time. I had enough genuine friends. Bridge, I had you. I have you. I am a Christian. I've been a Christian since I was a child. But when my son died, I was prime real estate for somebody. That's a crazy word I just came up with. But I was, uh, it was fertile ground for somebody to come in and begin to try to manipulate my life. Am I making sense up here? So I'm telling you, during a crisis... Uh, here's another one. During transition periods, if you're adjusting to a new job and you're really nervous about it and you're insecure about it, uh, if getting out of high school, how many of you know getting out of high school, going into college is a major change and you can be set up for hooking up with the wrong people. Being relocated, and I know we got a lot of military in our church, and I say to you guys and I say to any of you, uh, I remember my mom, my dad was a pastor. I went to seven schools before I graduated from high school. That's a very vulnerable time in your life when you can get into the wrong kinds of relationships. Peak pressure periods is another one. 
um, what's a big pressure period? If you're battling with somebody in your family who has an addiction, who has an addiction, and you're trying to help them, and you're trying to be strong and upfront with them, but at the same time let them know you still love them, and, and they're stealing from you, and they're, they're um, you know, coming home high, and they're driving drunk, and they're, I mean, I know all about this life. I've lived this life. Uh, when you're going through those pressure periods, you're vulnerable. Holidays, it may be surprising to know. We did a whole series on that, actually, that during a holiday you can become vulnerable. Here's another one. When we're away from the familiar and things that make us feel secure, that sets us up. I've seen this happen. I'm going to say a word here, and you might kind of giggle a little bit, but I'm telling you, summer camp, summer camp, especially long summer camps, where they're away for a month or longer. And I'm not saying that's a bad thing. I'm just saying you need to teach your children. You need to teach them what a healthy relationship looks like as opposed to a uh, relationship that's not healthy. People who go to jail, people who go to prison are very vulnerable to relationships that otherwise they would not have chosen. Again, those of you who are in the military, listen up because the enemy... He wants to move you somewhere where you feel very uncomfortable, where you don't have any. One of his primary tools is isolation. And if he can get you isolated, then he'll send in the wrong person uh, to be in your life. During times of boredom, if you're bored with your job and bored with your life, you're, you're fertile ground. Uh, during times of depression and discouragement, the best way to avoid these situations is to recognize our need for strong support during all situations of life and plan ahead that if I get into one of these situations that Pastor mentioned, and I didn't mention them all, that's not a comprehensive list, but when I get into a situation where I feel vulnerable, I've got a plan. I've got people I'm going to talk to. I've got phone calls I'm going to make. I've got, I've got my church. I've got my pastor. I've got a small group. I've got whatever, and I'm going to, this is my plan. If I see myself drifting, I, this is my plan to deal with that. Again, uh, just mentioned small groups. That's one way to ensure that your needs are met during situational setups. A small group. If you're not in a small group, we're happy to help you get into one. You need to be in it. Scheduling a series of appointments with a Christian counselor. And look, there are counsel, there's counseling that needs to be done at the bridge that I'm not equipped to do. That Pastor Scott and Sherry, uh, it's even beyond their area of expertise, and they're not equipped. And we will connect you with Christian counselors who can help you. You need to have family members that you can go to and admit, I am struggling. I feel like I'm going the wrong direction with this thing. You need to know who those family members are and contact them. As a matter of fact, one of the things that a person who's trying to pull you into a dependent relationship will do is try to get you not only to cut off all your other friends, but cut off your family. I don't know why, but I just feel like I need to say that again. I just feel like there might be somebody here who needs to hear that one of the signs of a toxic relationship is you're hanging out with somebody who's telling you to cut your family off and cut off your friends and just be with them. Hear the word of the Lord today. So this is important. True friends. Who are your true friends? Know who they are. 
You say, well, I'm mad at one of my true friends right now. Really? It might be because they were honest with you. It might be because they came to you and said, hey, I love you, and I see you going in the wrong direction. If you're mad about that, and you're like, I'm not going to be with them anymore. I don't want to hear that. I'm going to hook up with this person I hardly know, but they tell me everything I want to hear. Ding, 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 baby. We got alarms going off. That's messed up. There's that deep word again. Amen. Y'all with me? That's messed up right there. And we live in a world and we live in a culture today where everybody goes, don't let anybody tell you what to do. You do what feels good. You do what you like. I saw uh, on Facebook, uh, it's been weeks ago or months ago now. I haven't been on Facebook in a couple of years. But um, I really haven't. Uh, there is a Facebook page with my name on it, but my staff handles that. So I haven't been on sta Facebook in a long time. But I heard recently that... Um, there was, a, there was a person who was going to leave their wife and they were struggling and they posted on Facebook because that's what you want to do. Listen, if you're having marital problems, go to Facebook and put it on there. And listen, when you and your husband get mad, put on there that you're out of a relationship. You're out of it. Put that on there. That is the dumbest, stupid, And a member of that person's family came in there and go and said, Honey, you just be happy. God wants you to be happy. No, I let me tell you what God wants. He wants you to work it out with your spouse. He wants you to stay in that marriage, and he wants you to work it out. Because there was a day when you looked at God and said, For better, for worse, rich or poor, health or sickness, I will stay in this marriage. Now, I know that's not always something that happens because it takes two to do that. So you can't always do that. But it is, cr I don't need to preach on this. Wait, let me get back to my notes. <laughs> if somebody's supporting you to do the wrong thing, they're not your friend. I don't care if they're a member of your family. What is my big deep word today? It's messed up. So here's some advice. If you're doing that, here it comes. Write this down. Quit it. <laughs> and you know what the most important thing you can do to prevent it is? Get close to Jesus. Get where you ought to be with God. You know what? If I'm right with God and I get into something I ought not to be in, ding, 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 whoop, 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 I get all kind of internal alarms. Y'all would be surprised what goes on up here in this head. But if I'm not close to Jesus, I'm vulnerable. I'll tell you something, man. About 10 years ago, I really don't remember the exact date, I was the pastor of this church and I got away from God. But I kept preaching and I kept saying spiritual things and I kept doing spiritual things. And I got away from God. And I hurt some people. I hurt some people. I sinned against some people because I wasn't where I ought to be with God. Listen to me. Anybody, anybody can become vulnerable to the attacks of the enemy. But you know why I'm here today, still the pastor of this church? It's because people loved me and forgave me. 
and walked with me through that time. And there were still things I could blame it on. Mitch was at his worst point during that time. There's a whole lot of things I could look at and blame that on, but you know what? You know whose fault it was? Right here, buddy. Right here, because we all go through garbage in our life. It's how you react to it. You've got to stay close to Jesus, or I promise you stuff's going to get in your life, and you're not going to recognize it as bad. And when people who love you and are close to Jesus come and tell you that's not good for you, you're going to get mad at them. You're going to want to, you're going to want to uh, retaliate against them. You're going to justify your sins. And before you know it, you're in way deeper than you ever thought you'd be. i got to tell you something, man. That's good word right there for me and everybody in this house today. Well, why are people prone to dependency? In a dependent relationship, one or both people are looking for a person to meet their basic needs for love and security other than Jesus. That's why you get in trouble. When you look to anybody to meet your basic needs other than Jesus Christ, you're going to get in trouble. And unless underlying spiritual and emotional problems are resolved in him, that destructive pattern is going to continue in your life. Sins of the past, hurts of the past need to be confessed and healed before real freedom can be experienced. Emotional dependency is a painful thing to discuss. I mean, I'm preaching on it right here, and I feel tension in this room. And you know why? Because we know this is real. We know it's real. And some of us, you know what's happening in this room too? Some of us are going, oh my word. I think I've got that happening. I think I've got that beginning in my life. I think I've got that going on, and I thought that was God. And I wasn't sure if it was God or not, and I, was, I felt like I needed to not be with that person, but then I felt like that wasn't being a Christian, and I haven't really known what to do. Hear God's word today. We need this word. We need to know that the enemy will come and bring the wrong people into our lives. Doesn't mean we don't love them. Doesn't mean we don't care about them. Doesn't mean we don't want them uh, to find Jesus and be healed by Jesus. We want them to be set free. Those people who are trying to pull us into a wrong uh, direction, we want that. But i got to tell you something. There comes a time when if you've got that unhealthy relationship with them, you've got to back off from that and let somebody else do that. Very rarely will you become the one that turns them and helps them to see. So what you have to do is have the courage to back out of that relationship and then pray. And maybe you know someone who loves them. You know someone who cares about them. And you sit down with them and go, I'm, I'm concerned about this person. And let them help. Let a healthy person. See, if you almost got pulled into that, it kind of shows you're not where you need to be. So you need to back off and let a healthy person minister to that person. But I will tell you about that person who's trying to manipulate you. It's going to be hard to reach them until they drop their resistance. Amen, amen? Uh, I mean, I want to witness to everybody. I want people to be saved. How many of you know, no matter how much you want people to come to Jesus, not everybody's going to listen to you, tell them how much they need Jesus. They're going to push back. And you're going to get that on this as well. The glue that holds emotional dependency together is manipulation. And um, we don't have time for me to get into uh, this today. I'll just mention a couple of things. Let me define manipulation. 
Manipulation is an attempt to control people or circumstances through deceptive or indirect means. Some typical forms of manipulation used to begin and maintain a bad dependent relationship are finances. If, you, if a person wants to get involved with your finances, um, they want to help you make financial decisions, they want to look at your financial information that's usually kept private, that's a sign. Gifts, when somebody's giving you gifts and cards regularly for no special occasion, flowers, jewelry, uh, gifts symbolic of your relationship with them, that's an alarm. That's an alarm. They're trying to manipulate you. Romanticisms. Using poetry, music, other romanticisms that provoke an emotional response. This is the way they manipulate. Physical affection, body language, frequent hugging and touching, eye contact, staring or refusing to make eye contact as a means of punishment. In other words, you're not going to be my best friend, then I'm not even going to look at you. I'm going to ignore you. That's manipulation. Flattery and praise. You're the only one who understands me. I don't know what I would do without you. You're, you're the most awesome person in my life. You know what the Bible says about that? Proverbs 29 and 5 says, Whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. Hear the word of the Lord. And what's that deep word called? That's... Conversational triggers, using special little nicknames and referring to things that have special meaning to both of you. Another one, failing to be honest, repressing negative feelings because you don't want to mess that relationship up. Um, uh, you would never, even though your opinion is different than that person who's trying to run your life, you won't mention that you don't agree with them because you know there will be a big cost, a big price to pay. Another thing is people coming, always needing help. Creating or exaggerating problems to gain attention from you and to gain sympathy from you. I see that on Facebook all the time, when I used to be on Facebook. I see it. Do you see it? You see people post stuff, so everybody will come under there and go, oh, poor baby. I want to go under there, that's why I'm not on Facebook anymore, and go, get a life. You want to trade war stories? I will make you cry. Amen? Come on, quit posting that junk. You say, well, I need prayer. Well, then private message some people who you know will pray and be honest with you. Don't put it out there to get, oh, poor baby. I tell you what, man, since I got off Facebook, I can preach on it better. <clears throat> Guilt, if you love me, you would. If you, I was going to call you last night, but I know you're probably too busy to bother with me. Yes, I was, thank you. <laughs> Threats of suicide. Threats of suicide. You say, well, you've got to take that serious. I understand that. I understand that. But I'm telling you, it's a manipulative thing. In a lot of cases, turning away from God can be used to attempt uh, manipulation. In other words, a person will go, well, I tell you what, if you're going to be like that, I just know I'm not going to church anymore. You, you're just going out there to church with your friends, and, and I'll just stay home and pray for me. 
pouting, pouting, pouting. I hate pouting, pouting, brooding, cold silences. When asked what's wrong, what do they say? Nothing. No, I can tell you're not fine. Passive, aggressive. Can anybody say that? Undermining other relationships. In other words, convincing a person that others don't really care about them. He doesn't really care about you. Making friends with partners, other friends. In, um, making friends with, uh, making friends with, I don't know what I've got here. <laughs> Oh, 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 got it. Hey, when I don't understand it, y'all in trouble. I left two words out of that sentence. Making friends with the person you're trying to manipulate, make friends with their friends so you can control them that way. Sounds good. The devil didn't want me to say that. Provoking insecurity, withholding approval. Picking on their weaker points, threatening to end the relationship. I tell you what, if you're if you're gonna do that, let's just don't be friends. Time, that's exactly right. That's good advice right back to them. So there's a whole lot more guys that I could talk about, and I've got more in my notes. Matter of fact, the next slide, if you guys will put the next slide up, I was gonna talk about why are dependencies hard to break. So that's gonna be in the notes you order. Um, there's a whole lot more information in these notes. I hope you'll get them. How many of y'all think we need this today? Amen. Would you stand? You know why it's so dangerous in the church? And I've already said this. I've already preached this. I said it last week. You know why it's so dangerous? <coughs> you know why it happens in the church a lot? Because we feel like I can't, I can't not be their friend. I mean, if they want this time for me, I have to give it to them. I'm a, I'm a Christian. So we feel this obligation to, to be Christian. But I'm telling you, I'm saying to you today that the enemy will use that feeling in you to get you in bad relationships. So don't feel guilty. Always be loving. Always be loving toward people but you know where the line is. And when you begin to see them do things and hear them say things, you go, you know what? That's manipulation right there, and I'm not going to go for that. I've had people come to this church. I've been here 25 years. I've had people come to this church, and if I would be their best friend, they would stay. But if I couldn't be their best friend, they, they would tell me. You know, so, you know, Pastor, I, I really like to meet with you, and you met with me a couple times at I just like to meet every week. Can we meet every week? I said, man, I can't meet every week. Oh, really? Well, I've got to be in a church where I can meet with the pastor on a regular basis. You know what my loving re response to that is? This ain't it. I can't. I can't do it. And other, our other staff members, some of you go through that. And you're not even on staff. You're not even, you don't even have reverend in front of your name. But you got people who go, if you can't be that for me, then I'm not going to be your friend. And it hurts. It's hurtful. So hear the word of the Lord today. Father, I pray over the bridge. and I mean, God, I, I hope everybody understood how real I got today about me and times in my life when I've been vulnerable. 
And I just pray today for eyes to be open. Here's what I pray for. Discernment. Give us discernment. Give us supernatural insight into relationships that are not good for us. And help us to know how to respond in a way that displays Christian love but not, does not allow people to put us in bondage. Give us discernment. Discernment helps us to see what's messed up, but then discernment also gives us wisdom on how to respond and how to react. Thank you, Father, for this word. I need it. We all need it. Satan is so subtle. Cover us, protect us. I pray it in Jesus' name.